Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. to speak tonight on a subject called desert dreaming desert dreaming desert dreaming dreaming in deserts second chronicles chapter 26 verse 3 through 5 says this 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign and he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem His mother's name also was, I can't read that real good. I'll let you read it. I can't read that white against that backdrop. And his mother's name was Jecolia of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God, hear me now, in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Verse 9, moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, the valley gate, at the turning of the wall and fortified them. Also, he built towers in the desert. And digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains, husbandmen also, and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel. For he loved husbandry. Say, he loved husbandry. Say, he was into growth. Things that were not stagnated. He wanted growth. I want to speak tonight on desert dreaming. With the help and the grace of God, I have a word for you tonight, and I want you to receive it in the name of the Lord. Everybody say, God, help us us. to understand understand. Uzziah's Uzziah's. purpose. You may be seated. Father, let me do real good tonight. Let me preach as you would have me preach. Let me speak as you would have me speak. In Jesus' name, let me be edified, God, only because you're edified. Let the glory of the Lord run through me like a spout, God. Let me have your presence. I promise I won't try to hold it and house it. I'll pass it on. Let my heart reach hearts. Let my head reach heads, God. Let me touch people tonight with the word of the Lord because it is the anointed word of God. And God, let me be anointed as I deliver it because the anointing destroys the yoke. For it's in Jesus' name and everybody said amen. Amen. So two men are in the woods. They're lost. Their name is Herman and Elmer. And Herman says to Elmer, when you're lost in the woods, you're supposed to shoot three times in the air. Wait and help will come. So they shot three times and no help came. So they shot three more times, still no help. Finally, Herman looked at Elmer and said, we need to shoot at least one more time. And Elmer said, help better be on the way. I only have three arrows left. (laughs) Come on, get with me. Some folks hear the preaching but they still have the wrong packaging and perception when they hear the word of the Lord. 
A teacher spoke to his Bible study class and said, if you were stranded on a deserted island and could choose five books to take with you, which books would you choose? And the answers were very interesting. Some said Shakespeare and some said Henry James. And then C.S. Lewis made the list with his book, Mere Christianity and the Chronicles of Narnia. And J.R.R. Tolkien, The Hobbit and the Book of Virtues by William Bennett. One guy said he would take the Microsoft window manual because he had no computer to contradict it, he reasoned. The manual might make sense now on an island without a computer. And others said that certain volumes of an encyclopedia or their scrapbook or their high school yearbook and on and on. Of course, the Bible was at the top of the list because when you're by yourself and you have nobody, you need Jesus, don't you? So the most unique answer came from a man called Pink. Pink was 50 years old. He worked as a carpenter, and he's still holding fast to the 60s, and he had long blonde hair with hints of gray that he wore in a ponytail, and he never wore anything but shorts and sandals and T-shirts, including Sunday morning when he went to church. He somehow managed to maintain three days' growth of beard and stubble at all times, and Pink had a way of looking at life that cuts through the dross and gets to the heart of the matter. And it, when it was his turn, he said in a raspy voice, if I was stranded on an island, I would take only one book. And, of course, everyone assumed that he meant the Bible. Then he said, the only book I would need would be the Time Life Do-It-Yourself Guide to Basic Shipbuilding. <laughs> Pretty sharp guy, wasn't he? Get me off this island. I need a book on how to build a ship. It is true that if a man is convicted of wrong and he is sentenced, and does not live to face the penalty of the sentence, when he dies, all court charges are dropped, and he will never be sentenced. Makes sense, doesn't it? In other words, no one has to serve his time for the fact that he did the wrong and he died before he was put in jail or taken his life. Hear me. When we die to repentance in this church or in our life, the devil does not know what to do with the evidence that we have repented of and God's forgiven us of. And angels rejoice and hell is in torment and the soul is relieved. I love a church that lives to believe that repentance still works. And I love a family, a church family that knows how to forgive. And when people come in with all kinds of evidence stacked against them, it's an amazing thing when they repent of those sins. God removes them from them as far as the east is from the west. And he throws them away never to remember them against them again. I love to preach to people that will not cast judgment to lives that are trying, even though they don't know how to shoot a gun to get out of the woods even though they don't know what book to take to get off of an island. And it's my purpose to turn your life and this church into a productive, overcoming, worshiping place where someone has the opportunity to receive the Lord in every service. Amen. Let me say before I get started, we don't need people with robes turned backwards on their necks. We don't need a justice system in this house. We need a forgiving house. We need a house that when they repent, 
All evidence that hell has against them doesn't come into our mind. We need to understand that when God forgives, He forgives. We may never forget, but we need to forgive and go on. Because who are us to stop what God is doing in people's lives? And I've always loved this church, and I want to reinforce to this church tonight that God has forgiven some of us so many things. And we're here tonight, and really, we don't deserve to be here. We didn't get worthy. He made us worthy by the cross that he died on for our sins. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that washes white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And, where there, when the, and, and, and when those who do receive the Holy Ghost are discipled, and become productive members of our local church, then we have said our mission is complete in their life, and then they can help others on their mission. Second Peter chapter 1 said it this way, to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. Everybody say faith. faith. To virtue. virtue. Say virtue. virtue. To knowledge. To knowledge. Say knowledge. knowledge. To temperance. Yes. Say temperance. Yes. To patience. Yes. Say patience. Yes. To godliness. Yes. Say godliness. Yes. To brotherly kindness. Yes. Say brotherly kindness. To charity. You know what that is? That's a growth concept. That's nothing more than a growth concept. And many of us have never gotten past faith. But in this congregation, I want to take us on a journey tonight. I want you to add to your faith some virtue. I want you to add to your virtue knowledge. It's time to get off the milk of the word and get on some meat in your life. And to your knowledge, I want you to have some temperance. And to your temperance, patience. And to your patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And when you get charity, the greatest of these is charity. Somewhere between faith and charity, you got to grow, folks. you got to grow. But when you start loving people at the point of contact, when they don't have to cross a line and prove to you that they are worth God's love, that's when you have got to a place in your life where God says, I can use you now. I've got you where I want you. i got you where you need to be. You're loving people as I love people. Clap your hands and rejoice in that because that's good stuff. Amen. Amen. I lost my do-rag here. For if these things be in you, continue on and abound. It's not on the screen. They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Don't ever forget where God brought you from. Wow. Wow. Because if you never forget where God brought you from, You'll never have a problem forgiving anybody where God brings them from. 
Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Simon Peter spoke of growth in a person from one station to another, from one precept to another. Because life is about growth. Everybody say grow. You got to grow. We're into husbandry here. We're into growing things here. We're into seeing people get grown in God. We're into people getting up from crawling and start walking and run a little bit every now and then. And I know the Bible never says run with Jesus in the New Testament. It says walk with him. But we just need to learn how to walk with the Lord in our own life to a point where we don't judge anybody else in their life. Amen. I love the song, the, 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 the black spiritual that says, it's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Come on, it's time to quit looking around and start looking in. It's time to raise your eyes and look up and then look in and say, Lord, I love you for what you've done for me. And because you've done this for me, I'm not going to judge anybody around me because you're working on them also and you're blessing them also. And we need to clap our hands for that because that's the gospel. That is the gospel. Amen. Add to your faith. Add to your faith. Add to your faith. So, everybody say man is three-part being. Man has a soul with a spirit. It's housed in a body. Everybody say a man has a soul. That it has a spirit that's inside of a body. Amen. Or can I say man is spiritual. That's the heart. Man is mental. That's your will. That's your spirit. And man is practical. That's your flesh. Man is spiritual. Man is mental. And man is practical. Or can I say it this way? It's the way you worship. That's your spiritual. It's the way you think. That's your mental. And it's the way you act. That's your physical man. So man is tripart being. So Uzziah, you're going to, I'm going to come back to that in a little while. Because we've got to get it all. We've got to be more than just spiritual. We've got to get our minds in this thing. We've got to make the right decisions in our lives. Say amen to that. So Uzziah, the king, 52 years was awesome. His life showed promise. He had strength. He was godly. He became in Israel a dominant figure. He became a creative builder. He became a mighty warrior. Yet his fall was instant because pride crept into Uzziah's heart as an older man. He disregarded God's servants, his prophets. His anger led him to seclusion. The Lord smote him. His exit was disgraceful and he became a leper. From a man that the Lord bragged on mightily as a young man when he walked in the statutes of the Lord. To a man that exited disgracefully and became a leper. It's not my desire today to teach or preach negative. But to inspire someone to take the attitude of this man while he was yet in his youth. When the kingdom of Judah was his. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Can I say when he had a repentant heart. A heart that cried for the Lord. Folks, I don't know what you want in your life. I don't know if you can't sing and you desire to sing. I don't know if you can't add 2 plus 2 and you desire to do mathematics. I don't know if you can't do jobs that you want and you may never be able to. It does not matter. 
God knows what you can do and what you're capable of. But he's able to do exceeding abundantly of what you can ask or think. But I believe this with all my heart. If I could say of one thing that I wanted this church to possess, I want this church to have a heart that is truly a repentant heart. I never want us to have fallow ground. I don't ever want us to be hard and crusted people. I don't want us to be judgmental and and mean and nasty with one another. I want people to walk in this church and feel that somebody loves them besides Jesus Christ. I want a pastor to be able to get up here and say, there's three people that love you. Jesus Christ loves you, your pastor loves you, and this whole church loves you. I want everybody in this house to understand that a repentant heart, a broken and a contrite spirit is an awesome thing in the presence of God. Say amen to that. So I wish to motivate you to make the changes, the sacrifices, to establish the disciplines necessary to become more effective in your life. Everybody say it with me. Life has to be a growing process. Isn't that neat? I'm not talking about your waistline. I'm not talking about height. I'm talking about your stature. Everybody say, I must grow. I must grow. grow. So you know what Uzziah did when he was a young man? He built towers. When he was right, he built towers. It's amazing. When he was right, he dug wells. When he was right, he planted vineyards. So I must be, if I'm going to be what Uzziah was when he had a right heart, I must be a tower builder. I must be a well digger, and I must be a vineyard planter. I must want to grow in God. Uzziah was a military genius as well as an agricultural genius. His first strategy was to build towers in four different places, and I'm going to preach tonight now. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm liable to throw down a little bit here tonight because I really feel this on my spirit. I'm not going to be lengthy, but I hope I'm good. And if you don't say amen, I'm just going to giddy up myself. Because I feel this. See, a tower is a testimony of what God can do. You don't put a tower up and say, wow, I'm a failure. You put a tower up and say, God has blessed me. A tower represents what God can do. A tower represents three things. Everybody say vision. Vision. Everybody say provision. provision. And everybody say protection. protection. Vision is the ability to see what can be done through God's power. That's vision. Provision is the ability to provide tools for the workers. And protection is the ability to create protection for the workers. And as a pastor of this congregation, I must be a tower builder. I must preach vision. For without vision, people perish. And as a child of God, you must join me in the building of towers for your family. There's four places in your family that towers are needed. You ready? Number one, a tower is needed at the corner gate. The walls of Jerusalem had what they called a corner gate. And the first place that he built a tower in Jerusalem was at the corner gate. This represents my spirituality. This represents my worship. Oh, hallelujah. Are you ready to hear some preaching now? I must build a tower at the corner gate. That's my first aspect of living for God. When we built our only and first home in DeRitter, Louisiana years ago... We built it from the ground up. 
the builder there said that he was going to what he called coin the corners. Now you got to get this. Because coin in the corners gives him extra stability. And what he meant by that, he, he, he crossed over the wood and then he wrapped that wood with some strong plywood. And then he double bricked that, those corners everywhere on our house, everywhere there was a corner. It gave them what he called extra stability. He said that house could take more than 60 mile an hour wind over a normal house because of what he did on those corners. And he said the corners were the fortress of the house. The book that I preach from says the stone that the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. My corner is coined by my relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Coin the corners of your life. Get Jesus on board in your life. The first place that a tower needs to be built in your life is in the corner gate. The corner represents boundaries. It represents restrictions. It represents limits. We live in a world with no boundaries and no limits. We can do anything. And if it feels good, we're going to do it. But cornerstones represent strength. We must believe that Jesus is my Lord. We must believe that Jesus loves me and he is my Savior. Hell, get your hands off of me. I'm saved and I'm strong. I must be different to make a difference. I love the story of Job. Job was back in a corner. <laughs> and instead of Wilton, he built a tower. And he said, I'm going to coin these corners, devil. I'm going to make this stronger than the wind that destroyed my kids. I'm going to make this stronger than anything you could ever imagine. I've backed myself in a corner. You've backed me here. The balls are on me. My flesh is stinking. It looks like I don't have any hope. But I got one thing, enemy, I want you to know about. I know my Redeemer lives. And I know that he's coming back for me someday. And I know that though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I'm going to see God. Here's what I want to tell you tonight. If all I can get you to do tonight in your trials and troubles of growth and learning how to grow in God is when everything comes against you, get the corner of your, of your life coined. Get strength in the corner. He will be the greatest daysman you ever heard in your life because when you're out there fighting, it's good to know you got Jesus in your corner. When you're in the job on the daytime, it's good to know you can come to Wednesday night and get some refreshment in the corner. When things are not going well in your home, it's good to know you can come to Wednesday night and you can have a corner man. You can have somebody to cut you up and fix you up and take all the bruises off and say, get back in there. What I'm trying to tell you, if nothing else works in your life, build you a tower that says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I will trust him. I will trust him. If we don't get the spiritual side of this down, we can't go anywhere. If every time we have a, a little bruise, a little hiccup, a little problem in our life, we start pouting and say, God doesn't love us. God loves you. He gave his life for you. He died on a cross for you. Get your hands in the air. Start magnifying him. Paul said, I am persuaded that nothing 
shall separate me from the love of God. Nothing, nothing, nothing shall separate me. You may feel like you're backed in a corner, but don't dig a hole. Build a tower and say, my God is able. My God is able. My God is able. That's how you grow in God. Build you a tower. Build you a tower. Build you a tower. Mm. Praise is so calmly for the upright. Well, the first thing hell wants to take is your worship. He wants to take your spirituality away from you. He wants to damage you real good. The second place that Uzziah built a gate or built a tower was in the valley gate. This represents my mental aspect and how I think. Everybody say the valley gate. When you can build a tower in the valley gate, anybody can build tabernacles on top of Mount Transfiguration. But when you can, oh my God, when you can build a tower in the valley gate, when you can say, he's with me here, he's with me now, he's a part of my structure now, I trust in him now. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know why? Because I'm going to build a tower in my valley. Because even though I walk there, I know one thing. Thou art with me. Thou art with me. Oh, I want to preach tonight. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When you can build a tower in the valley, you're saying, hell will not whip this. Satan loves to attack you when you're at your weakest. We've talked about it, but depression rules our society. Oppression is the spirit of the day. Possession is what hell wants. Hopelessness is prevalent in our society. People seek escapes. Too many negative voices surrounding us need to build a tower in the valley gate. Has God ever done anything for you? Somebody say, I may look like I'm overrun, but I'm coming out. I love, I love, I love Pilgrim's Progress when, when Christian is coming along and he sees two lions in the path and he thinks, oh God, here I'm going to have to face the lions in my path and on my way to the celestial city. And all of a sudden he hears a voice, Christian, I've already been by there, the lions are chained. I said a little bit about it on Sunday. But you know why hell wants to attack you when you go to your valley? 
Because he has no hope left. He's separated from God forever. He'll never be back in the presence of God. He's a fallen angel. He is defeated. And he wants you to feel those spirits. He wants you to feel separated. He wants you to feel fallen. He wants you to feel beaten. He wants you to feel non-forgiven. He wants you to feel like you can't never get back. But when you're in the valley, gate. Don't just pine there and repine there. Build you a tower and say, look what God's done. I've got vision in the valley. I've got provision in the valley. I've got protection in the valley. My mental state's all right. I'm coming out of this thing. I'm building me a tower. We must grow past spiritual. We've got to get a grip on the mental. Say amen to that. Then the third place he built a tower was at the turning of the wall. The Bible said the turning of the wall. This is the aspect of practical living or how I act. One's how I worship. One is how I think. And one is how I act. We're body. We're soul. We're spirit. Now, how do I act? This tower represents the changes that come in life. Stay with me now. It's the unwanted issues. It's the knocks on the door that don't have to be answered because you don't have to go to the door to catch these. They just come right in. The family problems, the loss of health, the physical loss of loved ones, society changes, a growth here, a pain here. We must learn how to manage change without changing our outlook on God. We're not living in the Garden of Eden. Sin is in the world. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. And it's appointed unto man once to die. I hate to be morbid. And after death, the judgment. We're all, if the Lord tarry, is going to die. Get ready for it. But we don't have to die before we die. Or like... The little boy told his grandma, I hope you live all the way to the day you die. (laughs) We need people that are 80, 85 years old that are strong in their spirit and say, I'm going to live. I love to visit with Marvin Hurtail. I love to visit with him because he's got a living spirit. He's not dying. We've got to have people who can build a tower in the turning of the wall. When life comes at you quick, when things happen suddenly and your physical man is attacked and all of a sudden sickness comes and depression comes and things happen in your life and the physicality of your spirit and you can't walk like you used to walk and you limp now and you kind of struggle and you get cricks in your neck when you sleep at night and every day's a struggle and you got pains here and pains here but you got to build a tower at the turning of the wall and say, my flesh is not going to crumble. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to build a tower. I'm going to bless his name all the days of my life. Richard Simmons. Anybody know Richard? He's a great man. I think. Richard is a guru. I'd like for him to get a hold of me and get some weight off of me. Come on, Rex. Dance, dance, dance. 
Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, big boy, let's go. I'd have to, I'd have to run with my back to him. I couldn't run facing him. But he introduced a man one time on a TV show named Michael, and Michael had a lifetime of extreme obesity. He'd weighed as much as 900 pounds. He lost over 700, reached 180 pounds, and was able to do things for the first time in his life, like even reach down and tie his shoe, go places he had never gone. And in the interview, he said he was enjoying life so much more than he had dreamed possible, having overcome such tremendous obstacles. He seemed to have a bright and happy future ahead of him. I saw the, I saw the show. He had taken control of his life in a dramatic way. But the change was short-lived. He began overeating again. Put the weight back on. Like Irma Bombach said, I have lost 1,072 pounds in my life. And I've gained 1,073 pounds in my life. That's me. He weighed more later than before. And finally, could not get out of bed. Lost his business. Made... Made a tremendous change, but couldn't keep the change. Couldn't keep the change. Couldn't keep the change. Build you a tower and say this, I'm not going back to the world. I will be saved. Whatever God's changed me into, I'm going to keep the change. I'm going to walk right. I'm going to talk right. I'm going to be right. Because I'm going to build me a tower. And no matter what happens... To my life, at the turn of the wall, at the turning of the wall, I'm going to build a tire. For whatever comes against me, God's going to be blessed. His name is going to be glorified. That's how I'm going to live my life practically. Amen. See, Peter overcame the expectation of the Jews in Acts 12. He walked out of prison and he stayed out. Say it with me. He walked out of prison and he stayed out. Some folks don't think you can stay saved a month. Some don't think you can be saved for a year. Why don't you just prove them wrong? Why don't you build you a tower and say, every time the doors are open, I'm going to bless the Lord with my whole heart. Because I'm going to build me a tower at the corner gate. I'm going to build me a tower at the valley gate. I'm going to build me a tower at the turning of the wall. I'm going to have my spirit. I'm going to have my mind. I'm going to have my worship. I'm going to have my practical living. It's all going to flow because everything that God has done for me is worthy for the world to see that God has been good to me in my life. Don't hide. Worship Him. Don't hide. Get your mind on Him. Don't hide. Walk in this place with dignity and honor and say, I am a child of God. Amen. Amen. You must overcome the expectation of people. They didn't save you, Jesus did. And finally, finally, my fourth point and closing point. The last place he built a tower was in the desert. And this is where God is not. This is where water is not. This is where vegetation is not. Seems to be hiding. Can't locate him. In the desert. Isn't that amazing? First, he established his worship tower. Then he established his mental tower. Then he established his physical tower. And now, last but not least, he built a tower in the middle of the desert where nothing was. This is what I call hardcore 
Christianity. It's living because. God. That's the thing you've got to do. Live because. That's when the real growth comes. When you do it because. The Hebrew boys looked at the king and said, Oh, king, we be careful. We be not careful to answer you. Our God is able to take us out of that fire. But if not, if he does not come to this desert, if he doesn't show up in this desert, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to worship, we're going to think, and we're going to act right in the fire. Hallelujah. Got to strike first when the desert is in your life. Here's what I want to tell you. When you can't feel him and you don't think that he's one a thousand miles of you, build you a tower. And let the whole world see that no matter what happens from now till I see him face to face, I am his child. I belong to him. He is my Savior. Why don't you reach way down and say hallelujah? hallelujah. Reach way down and say praise the Lord. In fact, the Bible says, shout unto God. You know what? You know what? When I say the word shout, I want you to go, woo! You ready? Shout. Woo! Oh, that's good. That's good. You need to let hell know I may be in the most arid place I've ever been in my life. But hell don't look down to find me. Look up. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous runneth into it and are safe. I'm going to build a tower when I can't feel him. I'm going to build a tower when my physical is attacked. I'm going to build a tower when my mental is attacked. I'm going to build a tower when my spirituality is attacked. I'm going to have a tower for everything in my life because I have a heart that pants after God. Hallelujah. Let's look at Uzziah's military strategy for just a moment. I'm almost done. Give me two minutes. He did to the Philistines what Reagan did to Gaddafi in Libya. He didn't wait for terrorism to strike at home. He hit the enemy on their own turf and drew first blood. He stopped their aggression. He broke down the walls of Gath and Jabna and Ashdod. So he built a tower in the desert, a place where nothing of significance is, where nothing of significance grows, where no water is, yet he built a tower. It speaks of the fact when nothing is moving in your life, nothing is shaking, nothing is working, God is silent. He's still my God. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my strong tower. My redeemer lives. Hence, my dream will survive in the desert. I am a desert dreamer. I will have the God of heaven in my desert. My vision will remain intact. My provision will be constant. My protection will be in place. Wow. All right. Who's going to help me tonight? Who's going to help me tonight? No man one day had a vision. The Lord came to see him. and He had a bunch of rocks in front of his house. And the Lord said in that vision, I want you to go out in the morning. And I want you to. Push on that biggest boulder in the middle of the road. Push on it for eight hours. So that the next day the man 
pushed on that boulder. Might have moved it a half an inch. Came back that night discouraged, and he went back to sleep, and the Lord spoke to him in a dream again. He said, I want you to go out in the morning and push on that boulder. He went out and pushed on that boulder the next day, and he thinks he moved it about an inch, but it probably rocked back into place after he quit pushing. God did this for about six days. Finally, the man came in one night and he said, God, I'm not going to try to move that boulder anymore. The Lord said, son, you misunderstood me. I didn't tell you to move that boulder. I told you to push on it. I didn't tell you to move anything. I just told you to give me an effort. Anybody ever feel like nothing's moving in your life? Nothing's moving. God, I can't move these people. That's not your job, son. I told you to preach to them. I'll move them. Sometime, you just got to have an Altoid. It makes my words spicy now. Wednesday night, I'm at home. 23 years, if you're not at home, pull your shoes off. We're at home here tonight. Now listen to me. It doesn't matter if things move or don't move. What matters is what effort are you giving? Are you making an effort? Because I promise you, if you make the effort, God will step up beside you. And he'll push that boulder out of the road. And you'll be used of God to do great things. All God wants is an effort. That's all. You know how to get to heaven? Try. You know how to make it to the other side? Never stop. It's pretty simple. But you got to build some towers. I'm going to worship him. See that tower? That's my worship tower. See that tower? It's built in the valley gate. I'm going to praise him. My mind's going to be okay when I'm in the valley. See that one right there? My physicality is going to be all right. At the turning of the wall, doesn't matter what comes around the next bend, I'm going to build a tower. And I'm going to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And I'm just going to keep walking. You see that out there in the desert? No water, no vegetation. I built that and when I, I don't feel anything. About one of the best things I ever gave to you in a while. Because I feel it's right on line with where some of you are. Because you got to get your worship in order. You got to get your mind together. You got to get your physicality together. And you got to understand that sometimes you're just not going to feel Him. Anybody want to walk this aisle with me right now and just come and join me right here? I'm going to bow on my knees right here, right now. Anybody want to walk with me tonight?
Anybody want to come right here tonight? Amen. Let's just lift our hands and let's start building some towers. Amen. Let's start building some towers. Everybody sold I'm going to build a worship tower. I'm going to build God a tower in the valley gate from my mental aspect. I'm going to build a tower, Lord, at the turning of the wall. I'm going to build a tower. And God, I'm going to build one way out there in the desert. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.